Welcome to the audio sermons of South Baton Rouge Presbyterian Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We hope you are encouraged by listening. For more information, please feel free to browse our site at www.sbrpc.org. Faithful and assuring word to his people. This is his word that he has given to us to encourage us and to strengthen us and to convict us, to remind us of his goodness to us. And so give attention to it. Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And now 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent... But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost... Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray and ask for his help in understanding his word. Pray with me, please. Our great God and Father, we thank you for giving your word to your people, to encourage us under our many trials and tribulations, under our, uh, the suffering that we go through uh, every day. Father, we thank you that uh, even in spite of ourselves, you are pleased to consider us faithful to do the work that you have given us. Lord, I pray that today we would be encouraged by this word and that we would be strengthened even as your servant Paul was strengthened for the service that you gave to him. And that through all of this, we might glorify Jesus Christ every day in our lives and everything that we do, that our focus, our delight, our joy in everything would be in him and not in anything in this world. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So again, we've been working through the fruit of the Spirit Uh, We've been working through what it looks like to be a Christian. And this is a reminder to you that when Paul lists these things out, he's not necessarily saying, now go and do these things. Go and practice love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. However, all of those things are things that we should be practicing. But as Paul explains these things, as he is unfolding these things... He is reminding us that these are characteristics of every Christian. That as the one spirit works inside of his people, that we should expect to see all of these things. And so today we get to this fruit of faithfulness. This morning I was thinking about the nature of fruit again. And and 
fruit is the thing that we get off of the tree or off of the bush, off of the plant after the tree has been doing a lot of work. Fruit is the end result of everything that we have maybe not even paid attention to, but we see the fruit and the fruit is appealing and we, uh, and we like the fruit and the fruit is good after the tree has done a lot of work. And so if we've been going through uh, these, uh, this list of things and you're saying to yourself, you know, I don't see myself exhibiting a lot of these uh, fruit just yet. Uh, praise the Lord that God is at work in His people through His Spirit, and you will see these fruit come out of your life. Uh, this is not uh, to say, you know, it's not for us to be discouraged by a lack of fruit in our lives, but it's for us to look forward to these fruit coming out in us. And so, um, one of the things I think we need to do is talk about how that takes place. And I think Paul does tell us in this passage how the, these various fruit come out of us and, and how they exhibit themselves in our lives. And, and today I want to focus again on that fruit of faithfulness. What does it mean to be faithful? Faithfulness is something that is severely lacking in our world. Uh, you only have to look at the statistics of divorce and those various things where you see a lack of faithfulness between people who have made commitments to each other. Uh, or you can see the way that uh, in, in politics and the way that our politicians will say they're going to do something and then they do not follow through with it. They are not reliable. Or even the cars that we drive and, you know, more than likely your main reason for buying the car that you bought is for it to be reliable, for it to get you from point A to point B. Uh, but how often is it that our cars end up breaking down far uh, earlier than we expect for them to? We expect for them to break down, but they break down earlier than we think. There's a lack of faithfulness in this world, and yet Christians are to be marked by this, this fruit of faithfulness. We are to be reliable people. But look at the way that Paul talks about this fruit and, and this fruit in his life. I want you to see kind of three ways that he's, he talks about this. Because Paul says that the, pay, the faithful person receives. A few times in this passage, he says that he, the faithful person, has received something. A couple different things, and we're going to see that. So the first thing, the faithful person receives, if you're taking notes. Secondly, the faithful person remembers. And then thirdly, the faithful, faithful person rests. So those are your three points, receives, remembers, and rests. So let's talk about what the faithful person receives. And I want you to notice right away uh, that he says, Paul says that he receives strength. He, had, he got something that he didn't naturally have in himself. Verse 12, I thank him who has given me strength. Who has given him strength? Christ Jesus, our Lord, has given him strength. And then he goes on to explain why he has received strength. He has received strength because he judged me faithful. That's the second thing that he receives. He received strength, but he says he received, received strength because he was judged to be faithful. Now, what I'm about to talk about is something that's so deeply important. 
that it divides Christians into the various groups that we find Christians to be divided in. It divides denominations. It divides uh, uh, even um, some groups within denominations. Because what Paul says here is he says that I was judged to be faithful. I was considered to be faithful. That God thought of me as faithful. And if you think about Paul and the type of person that Paul was, we would probably describe Paul as a type A personality. He was a man who knew how to get things done. He was a man who, when he saw a task that needed to be done, he could come up with the ways to do it, and he was going to do that. And so we might think that, that God is considering Paul to be faithful because of his personality, because he knew how to get things done. But that's not what Paul says. He says, I was considered faithful to God when... And then he goes on to explain when he was considered faithful. Considered faithful when he was appointed to his service, God's service. When was Paul appointed to his service? I want to remind you when that took place. Paul was appointed to the service of God on the road to Antioch when he was going to persecute and kill Christians. And he goes on to explain it. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent of God. That's what he says. God considered me faithful when I was those things. When I was an enemy of God, God considered me, judged me to be faithful. Do you see what he's saying there? When I was not being faithful, God judged me to be faithful. How in the world does God judge Paul to be faithful when he is not being faithful? Brothers and sisters, this is the good news of Jesus Christ. This is it. This is the best news that you will hear. That Paul, even though he was not being faithful to God, even though he was an enemy of God, God looked at him and said, He is my servant he is my faithful servant. And he appointed Paul to his service when he least deserved to be appointed to his service. That is incredible. And how did God do it? Why did God do it? It was not because Paul was a great guy. He was a murderer of Christians. God did it because he wanted to do it. Because he wanted to show mercy to Paul who hated God. Now, Paul didn't think he hated God. Paul was a Pharisee. And in other places, Paul goes on to list all of the great things that he was uh, in his own mind and according to all of the people that he grew up around as a Pharisee. He says he was a Pharisee of Pharisee. He was better than anyone else. And you need to remember that the Pharisees in this day, by most people, were considered the good guys. They were the ones that knew their Bibles. In order to become a Pharisee, you had to have whole chunks of the Old Testament memorized. You probably had to have all of the book of Leviticus memorized. The book that we can barely get through because we think it's so boring, they had to memorize it and repeat it. They had chunks of the Bible memorized. And they were the ones that everyone else looked to as their faithful judges. And that's the way that most people would have thought about Paul. And Paul says, when I was that, when I was a so-called good guy... 
Hating God, hating Christians, hating everything about the mercy of God and the goodness of God. That's when God appointed me to his service. Paul says, I was the best of the best, but I was absolutely wicked. Because the pharisaical standard wasn't enough to reach up to the standard of God. And so what did God do? God showed mercy to Paul. This is so important because we have some some, uh, people that proclaim this false brand of Christianity that says, God will consider you faithful when you are actually faithful enough to meet his standard. Or we have those who will say that God will consider you faithful when you finally decide to choose God. But the good news of Jesus Christ is that God chooses his servants. He chooses his people. He welcomes his children into his family before we are able to make a decision for him. Before we're faithful in and of ourselves. When you wake up in the morning and you absolutely do not want to do anything for good for God... When you wake up in the morning and you don't want to do the things that you have committed yourself to doing, God considers you, if you are his child, faithful in that moment. Paul receives this this consideration of faithfulness before he is actually faithful. Before he was able to do it. And that is such good news for us. Because if you're anything like me, you're tired, you're angry, you don't know why things work the way that that, that they do, and everyone else just seems to get in your way all the time. And and you just want to be who you want to be without anyone else worrying about who you are. And the last thing you want to do is be faithful to God. And God says, because of my mercy, because of my goodness, I consider you faithful. That's an incredible thing to remember. The faithful person receives this consideration, this judgment of faithfulness before he is faithful. That's the first thing I want you to remember. Now, it does not mean that you have the right to then be unfaithful. That's not what it means. This is not then an excuse to be unfaithful. Look at the life of Paul. Look what happened when God judged him to be faithful. Paul jumped into the service of God because he saw the mercy of God. And he said, if that is what God is, if God is merciful to me, then I want to respond in faithfulness to him. And that's what Paul does. He was judged to be faithful before he was faithful. And that caused his heart to desire and long for this faithfulness. So that's the first thing. He receives... Mercy, he receives a consideration of faithfulness and he receives strength from God. The faithful person receives. Secondly, the faithful person remembers. The faithful person remembers who he or she was before they received that consideration of faithfulness, or maybe even before they realized they had received that consideration of faithfulness. Look at what Paul says. He says, I received this, this, or he judged me faithful, appointed me to his service, though I formerly was. And he says, this is who I used to be. I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent 
opponent. Paul is talking about his life in darkness, who he used to be. He has not just forgotten who he was. It wasn't as though he just left all of that that he was behind. Now, and I need to say this, those things did not dominate his life, but he did not forget who he was prior to Christ radically changing him by giving him the judgment of faithful. So what was he? Well, he says here he uses three words to describe who he was prior to Christ transforming him. He was a blasphemer. You blaspheme with your words. And so what Paul is saying is, I used to sin against God with my words, with how I spoke about God. Because Paul did not believe that God was a God of mercy, but only a God of judgment. He did not hold the judgment of God and the mercy of God in tension. And so he blasphemed God by saying, God is a God of judgment. So he sinned in word. But secondly, he says that he sinned um, uh, because he acted ignorantly. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. He sinned against God in his mind or in thought. So he says, I was ignorant of who God was and I acted in unbelief. But that is what I was doing. I willfully acted ignorantly toward God. Just like he says in Romans chapter 1 that I exchanged the truth of God for a lie. That's what he was doing. He was exchanging the truth of who God was. And so he acted ignorantly in unbelief. And he sinned against God in his mind with how he believed. This is not merely just acting ignorantly. Uh, because you don't have enough information. Paul believed and knew that he, was, he had plenty of information about the goodness of God. The Old Testament is all about not the judgment of God, but the mercy of God. And he had all of the Old Testament that pointed him to the mercy of God. And he acted willfully ignorant of the mercy of God. So he sinned against God in word and in his thought. And then finally, he says that he was a violent arrogant and insolent opponent of God, that he sinned against God, not just in word, not just in thought, but in deed, that because of the way that he thought and because of the words that he used, that he actually went out of his way to go and persecute those who loved God, who wanted to be with God, who wanted to see the glory of God go forth, that he actually used his hands to commit evil deeds. The faithful person remembers who he was before God judged him to be faithful. He was a sinner in word, in thought, and in deed. And here's something that's really important for you to remember. It's really important for you to know that the faithful person does not run away from who they really are in and of themselves. So who are you in and of yourself outside of who Jesus Christ is making you to be? More than likely, if you're honest with yourself, you will say along with Paul that you have sinned against God in word and thought and in deed. That you are a sinner who deserves nothing but the wrath of God. 
And that's what Paul is saying. He deserves the wrath of God. And yet, even though that's who he was, he received mercy. Faithfulness to Jesus does not hide the truth about who you really are. And who are you? You, in and of yourself, are a miserable failure. If left to your own devices, you would constantly be sinning against God in word, thought, and deed all the time. Genesis chapter 6 and Genesis chapter 9 prior to the flood and after the flood says that the thought of man, every inclination of his heart was only evil continually. Praise God that he made a way for faithless people who sin against God, who are miserable failures in word, thought, and deed, that he makes a way for us by his mercy. He decides to show grace to us. In light of that, let me tell you a little bit about who I am. Some of you know this. Some of you don't. Um, I have a dear friend who um, academically was really good um, and flew through high school, did perform really well, flew through LSU, got his master's, um, brilliant guy, smart guy. Um, and one day in conversation, I was sharing with him that I failed out of LSU. Um, that at uh, 18 years old, 19 years old, I failed out of LSU. And he said, wow, you failed? I said, yes, absolutely, I failed. And I said, but I didn't just fail once. I failed three times out of LSU. I kept on trying to get back in. I started as a 17-year-old as a uh, in LSU, didn't know what I was going to be doing. Um, and throughout all of that time, I went to class. Well, no, that's the problem. I didn't go to class. Um, <laughs> I was, I was avoiding class. I was avoiding responsibility. I was avoiding growing up. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And everybody asked me, what do you want to be? And I'm like, I don't know what I want to be. And so I avoided it. And so I started at LSU and I failed out of LSU. Um, I, I got out for a while. I worked in construction. Um, and I was a miserable failure working in construction. And my boss told me that often. He said, you need to go back to college because you're so bad at doing construction. Um, so I went back in, and I failed out again. And then I was out, and I was on probation that time for a year, and then tried to go back in and failed out again. <laughs> Through all of that time, I was going to church. I was doing the things that everyone, Woody was there, Woody knew. Everyone probably thought that I was a good kid, just trying my best, and and maybe I just couldn't quite make it as a student when deep down in reality what was happening was my heart was so filled with laziness and darkness and irresponsibility that I did not want anybody telling me what to do at any time. And I couldn't stand the fact that my parents told me what I needed to do. And my preachers told me what I needed to do. And my friends who loved me told me what I needed to do. And so I rebelled against that over and over and over and over again. I was lazy. And guess what? I am still lazy. <laughs> I fail miserably all the time. I don't wear that as a badge. I don't wear that to say, look at how great I am because of this. I wear that to say, that's who I am. And guess what? Jesus Christ still loves me. And he appointed me faithful. Faithful. 
to serve him when I was a miserable failure. Praise the Lord for that. We remember who we were because it makes Jesus Christ look so much greater against the backdrop of the darkness of our lives and who we really are apart from him. Jesus Christ shines so much greater. We live our lives most of the time trying to hide our failures, trying to cover over them, trying to say, no, that's not who I am, that's not who I am, when in reality that's who we are. We don't need to go out there just exclaiming to everyone in the world, look at all this failure I've done. No, but we say in the midst of our failure, in the midst of who we are apart from Christ, we say, praise God, he has considered me faithful. And the reality is that Jesus is only for miserable failures. If you are here today and you are not a miserable failure, you don't need Jesus. But if you are here today, and you are a sinner. You are a miserable failure before God. And you can do nothing to please him. Apart from the work of Jesus Christ. That he has graciously done for you. Jesus is only for failures. If you claim the name of Jesus today. You are saying I am a miserable failure. That's who I am. Praise God. He has succeeded for me. Faithful person remembers. And then finally, the faithful person rests. It rests in Christ for today. And I want you to see this. Um, and I've read verse 15 so many times. And, I, and prior to a couple of years ago when I preached this passage, I, I didn't understand what Paul was saying. Look at verse 15. Or look at verse 14. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Because of the faith and love that are in Jesus. And because Jesus overflows with this faithfulness and this love. He has given that to me out of the overflow of who Jesus is. And he has given me so much that that overflows out of me as well. But then he says this. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. And when I used to read that verse over and over, I would read it and think, well, Paul's talking about who he used to be, who he used to be. He says, you know, um, Jesus Christ came to save sinners like me. What I used to be when I was one of those insolent blasphemers, when I hated God, when I persecuted God's people. That's when he came to save me back then when I was so bad. But look at what he says. Look at the grammar. The grammar is really important. I can't stand grammar, but you got to know it. He says, he says, into the world to save sinners of whom I am currently today the foremost. What, what Paul is saying is, is that I rest in the grace and the mercy of who Jesus Christ is for me today because I am still the chief of sinners who needs God's grace every single moment of every single day that I am alive. I need the grace of God. And so what Paul says is that Jesus Christ came to save me as I am today. Maybe you have been a Christian for a very, very long time. Maybe you have been a Christian for 70 years. Maybe you've been a Christian for 30 years. Maybe you've been a Christian for 25 years. And you think you have gotten to the point where you have arrived. And you don't need the grace of God any longer. Well, here is Paul. The Apostle Paul. The greatest of the apostles. 13 of his writings got into the only book that is going to really last into eternity. And he says, I am the chief of sinner 
today. And I still need Jesus today. And so what is Paul doing? Paul is resting in the grace of God today. Because left to himself today, this day, as he is writing one of the books of the Bible, if left to himself, he would deserve nothing but the wrath of God. He says, I remain the worst of sinners and I still need God today. Do you rest in Jesus Christ today? Now, what is rest? We think that rest is what we're going to do in a few hours when we go home and we get on the couch and we uh, plug, you know, we unplug for a little while. Um, that's what we think rest is. That's not biblical rest. Now, that's part of biblical rest, but that's not the sum total of what it is. Uh, biblical rest is taking all of your work and all the things that you're depending in and giving all of that to Jesus and saying it's not enough here, this is for you. It's, it's not clinging to ourselves and to our goodness or supposed goodness. It's not clinging to who we think we are in and of ourselves that makes God happy because none of it does. But it's giving all of that to God and clinging to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what rest is. And do you know when you can do that rest? You can rest that way later on when you're taking a nap. Praise God for that. You can do that later on when you're having dinner with your family and tensions are high because your kids aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. You can do that. You can rest that way when you're at work and you're overwhelmed and you don't know what you're supposed to be doing and you've got a boss that's constantly hounding you. You can rest in Jesus Christ knowing that your success or failure at work does not define who you are because Jesus Christ has already considered you faithful. You can rest when your spouse is driving you nuts. You can rest when your children aren't being obedient. You can rest at all times just like Paul did because he clung tightly to Jesus Christ and he gave up all of his supposed goodness and, and all of that for him. The good news today is that Jesus Christ still accounts sinners as faithful. Praise the Lord that he does. He is still in the business of considering you and me sinners faithful to him. So how do you respond to him? Well, you should respond to him in gratefulness for his consideration of faithfulness. You should respond to him with hopefully a heart that prays and says, Lord, I'm weak and I'm tired and I don't want to be faithful, but I need you to help me to be faithful because ultimately that's what I desire. But also, faithfulness looks like what we're about to do when we come to the Lord's table. Because this is an invitation to enjoy the Lord. This table is showing to everyone around that I am a miserable failure when I'm holding up that little wafer that's way too loud when it crunches. You know, when I'm holding up that little cup that's just a little taste of the goodness of God. When I'm holding those things up, you are, and when you're holding those things and you are proclaiming to the world, I'm a miserable failure, but God receives sinners like me. Praise God for that. You can come to God instead of running away thinking that he's angry at you. 
when Jesus tells his parables, he tells the parable of the talents. And what does he say to the, to the man who he gives, you know, ten talents and two talents? He says, or five talents and two talents. He says, at the end of that, well done, my good and faithful servant. There's a, there's a reflection at the beginning of your bulletin, the last one from J.C. Ryle. And I'll just encourage you to go and read that if you haven't. I was reading, Ms. Connie sent me, you know, a reminder that I had to get to reflections to her. And she asked for me to get them to her by Wednesday. It was Thursday afternoon. I failed to get those reflections to her. And I was struggling to get those to her. And I was feeling like a failure. I was was at Johnny and Friends family retreat, not knowing what I was doing. Feeling so much like I wasn't measuring up. And in that little quote, J.C. Ryle reminded me that God takes all of our little bits of faithfulness and considers us faithful and says, well done, my good and faithful servant, because Jesus Christ has done all for us. It's an incredible thing to remember that our God today, as our good and loving Father, delights in His children. And He tells everyone, He shouts from the rooftops, Look at my good and faithful children. I love them dearly. And that's not just what he says about the person sitting next to you. But if you're in Christ today, that's what he says about you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have given us this consideration of faithfulness. That you have said we are faithful in spite of who we are. In spite of being the chief sinners, Lord, I thank you for those dear and good reminders to us that as your people, we can be faithful because you have already accomplished all for us. Help us to remember this for the rest of this service, for the rest of this day, for the rest of our lives, that we are your faithful servants because you have made it so and you have declared it so and you have showed us and assured us of this through your son, Jesus Christ. Pray this. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon of South Baton Rouge Presbyterian Church. Please feel free to pass it along to others who might be encouraged by this message. Also, if you have any questions or would like to know more about the church or a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, please feel free to browse our website at www.sbrpc.org or contact the church office directly at area code 225-768-9999. Again, thank you for listening.